Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. Excellent. Hi. I'm, uh, I'm Bobby Rodriguez, and I am hosting Surrendered Wellness, stewarding your body for God's glory. And so I wanted to come and give you a couple of first little things we want to talk about. You should have gotten a little piece of paper here. We took a lot of time to put all of the stuff that you need to know on this piece of paper. So make sure you have one, mostly doodle space and whatnot, to take notes for today. We're going we're gonna, to um, work. Actually, before we do that, I need to talk with you about me and how I'm feeling right now. I am crazy passionate about this topic that we're talking about today. Stewarding my body for God's glory isn't how I always have done things. And so when I found this revelation that it mattered to God, it was important for me to share it with other people. And it's been important for me to share it with other people for four years. And so I've been building this little program that we're, we, we'll talk about today and some of what we're going to look at for a long time. So I'm emotionally invested in all of this material. And so um, what I'm asking you to know is that um, it's important if there's some slip-ups or if I speak in a way that sounds funny to you, just give me a little bit of grace. Know that I have a little bit of nerves, but I'm really, really excited to share all of this stuff with you. So um, another point that I want to bring up. You guys, in particular, have been prayed for for a long time. We've known about this class and that we were going to get an opportunity, which, by the way, was another answer to prayer. It didn't look like we were ever going to get to talk with you guys about this topic. Um, and so we have been praying that God would open your eyes if you, um, to see what we have for you to know today about stewarding your body for God's glory. Also, um, we are not going to give you today, just so you know, like right up front, I am not going to give you the best diet plan to go on, right? Nor am I going to give you like the, the number one top video series that you should be watching if you are going to get fit, like P90X or whatever. We'll talk about the number two one, but not the number one one, okay? So just kidding. There's no video series here either. So just know that we're going to talk about what his word says. Um, okay, now we get serious. I might say something today that rubs you wrong, right? You may believe something different than what we're going to say today. What I'm asking you for right now is grace in that area. I need you to know that I've been praying for you for a long time, and my heart's desire is that you know this material and you take it in and do with it what the Holy Spirit wants to do within you. Right? I am not looking to make anybody mad. I'm not looking to say, hey, I think an air squat is way better than a sumo deadlift. And so that's not we're making, we're not making choices about things today. I am just trying to share my heart for giving over this area of our lives that not many of us do. Okay? So now, if you'll look at that sheet that we gave you, the empty blank sheet, there is a phone number at the bottom. So we did this Google thing, Becca Nail, by the way, in the back. Um, Blake Junkin right next to her. They're going to be helping me out here today, um, helping us out here today. We will be talking about these things together. Uh, that phone number is not really a phone number. It's like a Google like, question thing or something. So you can text at any time a question that you might have. We will take all of those. We'll get them in the back and kind of sort through them. The last bit of our time together today we're going to spend answering these questions that you might have. Also, remember that other one when I said, hey, if I offend you, wait to come rush the stage, type the question in, let me get a chance, and then maybe during the uh, panel time, we'll be able to um, quell your anger and fears, okay? So let me start by praying. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good, and we love you. 
Lord, we love you with all of our heart and all of our soul. And Lord, I pray that after today, that we would surrender even all of our strength to you. Help us to know your will for our lives and our bodies so that we might bring honor and glory to you and enjoy you forever. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, what are we doing? We are going to talk about the biblical perspective of your body, how to steward your body for God's glory. Today, Becca is going to get up and really hammer home this idea of your body, the one that God knitted in your mother's womb together, that body for God's glory. We like to call that surrendered wellness, this idea of taking care of myself, but not for the sake of me, but for the sake of God's glory. Um, so what are we going to do in class today? We are going to talk about five different topics. You'll see them there, vision, commitment, community, uh, rest, and usefulness. And in between those, we are going to have some a little bit more fun topics. We call them tips. And so they may not be as biblically based, but they will be very useful for you as we move forward, right? So um, that's kind of how we'll go. That last, we're hoping the last 30 minutes will be um, left for the panel. Before I can talk about stewarding your body for God's glory, we first have to talk about what does it mean to even care what God has in store for us? I want to share with you what has changed my life, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. At some point, I recognized that I was a sinner, and hopefully you have done the exact same thing, that you, unfortunately, like all of us, the Bible says, have gone astray. You recognize that fact. We also recognize that the fact that we have sinned damns us to an existence in hell, an eternity in hell. And we see that there's nothing that we can do to get out of that predicament. There's no kind of works that we can do. We can't be nice to our friends or give more to the church. It is, it is simply a done deal. We have committed the fatal sin. With that, I also want to remind you that God loves you. He loves you enough that he sent his one and only son, whose name is Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life on earth, to, to never have sinned, to choose to die on a cross so that the payment for our sins might be on him. When we recognize that, when we believe, when we have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we will be saved, says the Bible. If that transaction hasn't happened in your life, and I, and I assume that there are folks here who may have heard from a friend who got the chance to come and see this who are not church people, the first thing that I want you to know is that God loves you and he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Consider that before you consider anything else that we have to talk about today. But once you've made that transaction with God, once you have said, Lord, I accept this free gift of eternal life from you, we're then left here on earth with a purpose. Our purpose is to glorify the God that saved us. We are to glorify him in everything that we do. So I want to cast a vision about how maybe that's not happening all the time. In the world, we see that this idea of wellness, working out, trying to look good is really about that. It's most of the time a vain attempt to either extend our life 
right? To, to live longer, I want to be healthier, I don't want to get heart disease, I don't want to die of a heart attack at 50, or I need to get the girl and the girl likes the guy who looks good or vice versa, right? And we try to work out so that we might be more attractive. The world sees it that way. The crazy thing is, is that we in the church, although we may not see it that way, we probably have been influenced to some degree, we see it a little bit differently. Here in the church, we would say, hey, I know I should probably work out, but you know that whole workout thing is about vanity, and I don't need to do that. What I need to do is have my face stuck in my Bible, or I need to be serving down in the children's ministry. That that's kind of what I need to do in this area of wellness. I don't need to worry about that. And what I propose today is that the church needs to be the church. The church needs to be the hope of the world. And the hope of the world would say, hey, this matters to God, that we should be able to forge a path, hopefully right here, starting right here at Watermark Community Church, that says God cares. He cares about how you steward your body. He wants to know what you put in your mouth. He wants to know if you're willing to rest when there's more work to be done because he's called us to do it. I want to take a look at the Old Testament. We will look first at what we were just talking about. There we go, vision. So now we're on vision, guys, just so you know, it's there. If we look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're so important that I want you to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So that word for strength, for all your strength, it literally means your body's might the kind of power that you can generate with this thing that we have, this physical form that we have. Some of you may have gone to DTS. We're in Dallas, Dallas Theological Seminary. Had a professor who's passed on now. His name was Dr. Thomas Constable. If you've never found soniclight.com, it is the best resource you'll ever see. So if you don't take anything else away, write that down, soniclight.com. These are Dr. Constable's notes on the entire Bible. And you can catch a passage. And the great thing about Dr. Constable's notes is he doesn't go, hey, here's what my best informed opinion thinks is the right way to interpret this verse. He gives you all seven of what might be the possible interpretations of that verse and lets you and the Holy Spirit move forward on that. So he has this to say about this particular verse. It says, the verse does not invite, let me go to it because I have it on here. The verse does not invite analysis into ideas of intellectual, emotional, and physical parts. The words behind heart, soul, and strength basically relate to what a person is or how a person directs himself toward another person. It is therefore not inaccurate for the New Testament writers to quote or translate the Hebrew words, which are often synonymous, by differing Greek words, which are also often synonymous. And here's the piece that really matters to me. Since the words taken together mean to say that the people are to love God with their whole selves, every part of their body, every part of their selves, mind, body, spirit, heart. So we here at Watermark do a great job of trying to help people love God with all of their heart, 
We talk about having an authentic walk with Christ. We say, hey, the things that we want you to do is train your mind here at training day, train your mind so that it might inform your heart to then go and live out what the word of God says, to go and serve your neighbor, to deny yourself from things that we know are not healthy for us or good for us. But even here at Watermark Community Church, and I'm not usually the Watermark like, trumpeter guy, but right here because we're all here together, we can say that, we don't get it right. We very rarely, and in fact, until just recently, we don't hear from the stage anything about gluttony or anything about denying myself for the wrong reasons. We just continue to talk about the heart and the mind. And so I'm saying today, hey, let's talk about the body. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 12, 28 through 30. So Jesus had just gotten through talking about marriage and whose wife somebody will be in heaven. And he says this, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. And this should sound familiar to you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strengths. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. No commandment greater than these. So if if Jesus is saying, this is the top, this is where we should live our life, then we should take these verses and go, okay, I need to do that. So I I bet most of us are reaching out, praying for, thinking about our neighbors consistently, love your neighbors or yourself, people around you, people at work, reaching out to them, sharing the gospel with your life. Many of us, all of us, I hope, are reading our Bible daily and trying to train our minds. We're trying to apply that to our hearts. But how many of us are doing a really great job of looking at how we steward our body for the glory of God. That's the point that I want us to make today. God is not looking to give us a really nice, awesome six-pack set of abs. He's just not doing it, right? It's not happening. What he's looking for is for us to honor him with our body. And then that, in turn, will benefit us. There is an ancillary blessing to saying, hey, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to exercise my body in any given way that you'd like, and it will leave you with an ancillary benefit. But that ancillary benefit isn't why God wants you to do those things. He wants all of you, and I'm here to say today, I think that we're not giving all of ourselves to him. So I'm going to transition now to uh, my friend Blake. And this idea of of the, the temple that we are now... God's holy dwelling place. He's going to talk about that a little bit more in depth, but I do need to let everyone know, just in case you wanted to say something to him, today happens to be Blake's birthday. So let's give him a big big round of applause for that. Oh, there's the clicker. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Birthday, Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like Bobby said, I'm Blake McJunkin. I recently joined staff here and 
J uh, July of this year. Um, man, just being here just for a little bit of time, learning so much about so many things, but this has been one area that's been big for me. Started running with Bobby and Becca earlier last fall, and um, man, I'm excited to, to be up here with you guys a little bit. Like Bobby said, I'm going to show you guys some stuff that I think um, can shed some light on God's heart for a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit in general, and then specifically how um, we now are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. If you would, with, uh, with me, uh, turn to Ephesians 2. We got it on the screen, but if you got your Bible, I would encourage you to flip open there, maybe make some notes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. I just like to do that, uh, starting in verse 19. I'll let you get there. So I'll start while you're, while you're turning. Ephesians, a uh, great book. You guys are familiar with, with probably that uh, earlier chunk of chapter 2, um, especially, you know, 1 through 10, grace through faith. It's a great passage. It's a gospel passage, big time, 2, 8, and 9, and 10. It's the gospel in a few verses. He continues on about how we're one in Christ, and then at the bottom of chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, I'll pick up in 19. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I uh, love this passage. I'm talking about um, once we become Christ followers, once we become Christians, um, we... we uh, become a part of what, what Paul calls here a uh, household of God, a household of God. And it talks about that process of the household of God being growing up, being built, uh, growing together, uh, all centered upon Christ as the cornerstone, which if you guys are knowing, if some of you guys have been even to, over to Israel and seen Solomon's temple, at least the foundation of it, there's still the big cornerstone there that you can go and see huge, huge stone that's laid at the first stone so that every other stone can be marked off according to it. Christ, uh, Paul calls Christ that cornerstone upon which the church or the household of God is built. And then it says in verse 22, it makes a comparison to us, how we are being built as well, just like uh, the household of Christ. Um, some important things here to, uh, to pay attention to as it relates to us. Um, we are being built, uh, the, the phrase there, being built, is a present uh, progressive passive tense, uh, which meaning we aren't the ones that are doing the, we're the ones doing the growing, but we're not the ones responsible for it. Uh, you can see that that uh, gives us the answer in 22. Um, it is for God by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit. The Spirit is the, the one responsible for us growing into uh, that, to be that temple or that dwelling place uh, for God. And so there's other passages in our Bible that uh, talk about this. We'll, we'll touch on them later. I know Becca and Bobby will reference one in 1 Corinthians 6 that you guys have probably heard before. But again, uh, this New Testament idea since Acts chapter 2, if you guys are familiar with that, um, Pentecost, when God sends His Spirit now to dwell in us, He no longer dwells in His temple or a tabernacle like He did in the Old Testament, but now He dwells inside of us. And so I would love to show you guys, um, again, how God, God dwelt with us here on this earth in the Old Testament before Pentecost was the tabernacle first and then the temple. So we can look, if you guys want to study or read more, Exodus 25 to 40, 
um, 16 chapters of the book of Exodus, almost half of it, are all, um, they're all talking about how, how the Israelites, when they were wandering around in the desert, how they were going to fellowship with God, how were they going to have a relationship with him, how they were to specifically design this tabernacle or this huge tent with curtains set up that were just enormous, how they were going to design the interior of it, how they were going to build each instrument uh, of the temple, of the, excuse me, of the tabernacle. There's the bronze labor, the, the bema seat, the, uh, excuse me, the judgment seat, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the lampstand, the, uh, there's a little container there to hold the showbread, uh, which was the, the little urn full of manna that they were going to come to and, and remind themselves of. I mean, there's instructions of who can go inside the temple. Uh, there's not uh, anybody can just, excuse me, the tabernacle, not anybody can just walk in there and uh, say, yeah, I feel like praying to God today. I'm going to come and light some incense and throw some ram's blood on the ark and sit here and pray and talk with God. There were few people, as you guys know, the Levites were the only tribe that could do that. And so we see 16 chapters of instruction of who can go in, what they have to wear when they go in, what has to be on the ephod, which was this big old kind of coat thing that the, the priests had to wear before they could even go in. And if you didn't have any of these things right, you dropped dead, Right? Uh, you, you could not go and enter into God's presence, into his holiness, without uh, these specific detailed instructions. All, you know, once again, having the ability to have fellowship with God here on the earth was very detailed. Just like Solomon's temple, again, another example, if you, if you want to go read 1 Kings uh, 5 through 8 is another, is another passage there. There's, what's that, four chapters of, of detail, how Solomon's temple was built, the materials uh, the things that went inside of it. I skipped Exodus 25 here. Um, I'll go back. Sorry, the, the, this was the purpose, of, uh, the, this, the sanctuary, excuse me, of the tabernacle here on this earth. It says, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell in their midst. God gave him this instruction uh, so he might dwell in their midst. Here we go. Here's 1 Kings. Once again, chapter 5 through 8, that's where you can go read more about Solomon's temple. Same heart behind it as the tabernacle was. There's less uh, actual content, but uh, we, we again see the detail of what God required to, um, then, but before he could come down, before he would come down and permanently dwell with Israel there in the temple in Jerusalem, all these things had to be followed through. So you, you can read and see instructions about, uh, like I talked about the cornerstone, no, no uh, stone coming out of the quarry. They had, to be, they had to be cut exactly the perfect dimension at the quarry before getting to the job site, before getting to the construction site. And so one of my favorite uh, details of the construction of the temple is right here, chapter 6, verse 7. Um, this, is, this is instruction from God. It says, No hammers or axes, excuse me, when the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. Again, I, I read this in, in amongst all the instructions. This is one that's huge, that even the job site, you know, uh, being, being where it was being constructed, there had to be maintained a sense of holiness and that God wouldn't even come down uh, to fill that temple if it had not been built uh, this way. And you can think about that, uh, how hard that would be uh, to cut stone back, you know, 7,000 years ago, whenever the temple was built, I'm not sure. Um, I've lost my dates, but uh, or I don't know the date. Uh, but man, that's so much work and so hard. It took seven years to build that thing. And um, last, last little detail, inside the temple, 
uh, was covered completely in gold, was gilded in tons and tons and tons, literally thousands of pounds in gold that was melted down, uh, formed into instruments, to ornaments, to uh, cover the inside of the temple of a specific wood. And so we see God's heart behind having complete, pure gold cover the inside of the temple where he would dwell. And so the outside was pretty. It was big marble. Um, again, some of you may have been over there and have seen it, uh, but outside was big and impressive. And when you walked up to Jerusalem, when you're coming in, you go, okay, that's a temple. Uh, there, that's so that building special. That's building set aside. That, that one's different than all the other ones. That one is unbelievable, but even more so on the inside. There was more detail, more effort, more value of the material uh, that re- was required to build and go into the inside of the temple. Um, so when we think about these things, you know, I've talked a lot about a little bit of detail, um, tabernacle, the temple, how we are now holy. We are, we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, the, the questions you can now consider, okay, if God cared so much about those, those places that he dwelled, um, you know, that, that he gave all those specific instructions, how, how much more does he care um, about how we uh, take care of ourselves? Uh, so if he's going to dwell here, if he's going to live inside of us, which he does, if you're a Christ follower, uh, as soon as you uh, trust in Christ, even before you're, right when you're regenerated as a believer, the Spirit comes inside of you, then you respond to God's grace and goodness, and you're a Christ, you, you become a Christian, uh, the Spirit lives inside of you. So uh, as a temple, as each one of you now are walking around as temples, uh, I want you to think about, consider the detail, the intentionality of what you do, everything that you um, put into uh, your body, everything that you, uh, you know, the way you spend your time, the way that you rest. We'll, we'll talk about those things, Bobby. We'll come touch on them. Uh, but uh, you've got, you've got to consider uh, the detail that God put into the, to the uh, temple here. A couple more questions. Uh, things that, I, that challenge me big time. I'll share a little bit more later how it personally relates to me. Um, I, I, would have, I would have gotten that first uh, question you know, pretty, pretty right. I would have understood that connection. But the thing that um, is tough for me is not using this, uh, this temple for my own gain. You know, if, if to connect the illustration back uh, to the OT... I would have been building a temple that was more impressive on the outside than it was on the inside uh, to, to make a statement to everybody else under the guise that we're trying to honor the Lord. Think Western Europe building a cathedral in the 12th, 13th century, building these huge, crazy temples, or excuse me, uh, churches that are all underneath the uh, umbrella of trying to honor the Lord, but really uh, they're trying to make a statement. They're trying to be the best church. They're trying to have the prettiest building, the most uh, uh, compelling uh, artifacts to draw the most people there, right, to come spend money. That, that's, that's my ditch. And when I read these passages, I think, okay, how then should I uh, not, not build my temple, the outside here? How much should I train and work on the inside, the contents uh, in, in the heart um, inside of this temple where the Spirit's dwelling? Um, I'm going to pass it on next to Bobby, and uh, we'll get back after it. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Did I, did I mention it was Blake's birthday, guys? It's Blake's birthday. Very nice, very nice. Okay. So now we come to our first little tip. That was our um, little vision casting. And so, um, let's see. 
Tip number one, there we go. So um, our next slide is a little video. So I want you to take a look at this video and then we'll come back together and we're gonna do some fun little physical stuff together. So um, is it the next one, Josh, if I hit that? So I had to cut it off there because it was actually an advertisement for a book. So we're gonna move on from there. Um, so um, our uh, first tip is really about your body and this thing that we do all the time. How many of us spend, let's say, more than five hours a day in our chairs at work. Yeah, like so we're all doing this. So what happens when we're in that position, in that seated position, is that all of the muscles that flex our hips stay in this flexed position. And so when we go to stand up, those things will stay flexed. This is what's called the psoas group, a group of muscles that, am I going to get it? There we go, did I get it? Right. So um, this is um, it attaches to your pelvis. There's mu different muscles in the group. But this one that attaches to your lower back and right underneath your pelvis and then around to your femur, those are the ones that are in that constant flexed position. And when we go to stand up from that flexed position, they don't, aren't supple and don't let go. And so we get this little tilt to our back. Now, I walk like this anyway, so I'm pretty good with this. But, but if, we, if you do this all of the time what happens is your lower back now has stress on it. So we have shear forces on the vertebrae, which were designed to work in compression, but now have shear, and we are going to have lower back problems. It will result in you go to the gym, and I think, oh, I'll just deadlift this thing, and I'm not ready, and then your whole back falls off, and you die. And so <laughs> it's not good, right? So it's really bad. So if you are someone who sits in a chair, I want you to Stand up with me. Suze, would you come on up here? We're going to combat, combat this, this um, work chair syndrome. We're going to do something called a three-position lunge. And so Suze is going to um, face this way right here, Suze. Suze has been uh, working out with us, too. Look how uh, fit she is. That's oh awesome. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. I need to get one of my hips open. And so she's going to lunge forward. Doesn't matter to me. Okay. <laughs> okay, there we go. So what I'm looking for here in this lunge, you know what? It does matter to me. Let's do the other leg so they can see what I want, to, want them to see. So what I'm looking for here is that we get her knee directly over her ankle. We don't want it way out over her toes. There's a lot of stress on the tendon right here in her knee. And we don't want it far back because we're not going to get enough pull on this psoas that we're looking for. I want her to put the other knee on the ground if she can stand it. Well, I don't have, somebody have a shirt or something? Poor Suze. It really hurts. Okay. Um, so... Uh, yes, let me have that really quick. Suze, we're going to work on it. See? Like I said, remember that grace thing we talked about a little bit earlier, guys? Here's, what we're, here's the part we're looking for. Yes. Okay, good. Now, she's in this great position. She's got her knee to her shoulder. Is a nice straight line. I need, to, I need to really enforce a little bit more pressure on the psoas when she's here. So I want her to flex her butt. I'm not going to touch it. Just going to say flex that thing right there, right? Is it flexed? Yes. Okay, good. And she's just going to stand forward right here with her chest and her hips forward and be there for 20 seconds. This little thing that we do will last about four minutes total. If you did it twice a day, it's really going to bless your hips as you move throughout your day and as you age. Now, after 20 seconds, I want her to reach that hand that's the, the down knee. She's going to reach it in the air like she's trying to reach for like a light bulb as high as she can and maybe even turn that light bulb. And what should happen now is that she's starting to feel some tension from that all the way from her knee all the way up into her armpit, but especially right there in the psoas region, right? 
So now she spends 20 seconds there, and we're going to really turn it up a little bit. She's going to lean out as hard as she can and really should feel like things are coming unglued in there. Okay, good. So then after 20 seconds, she will just stand up and switch sides. And it's just that easy. If you were one of the ones that raised your hand, stand up and put your chair in. I'm gonna, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to, right? But we're going to lead ourselves through this and just see, hey, what does that feel like? Push your chair in. Make sure you have, oh, sorry. Make sure you have some room. I've even got a little watch right here. I'll, I'll time us. Make sure you don't, you don't kneel on somebody and don't kneel on the wood. Apparently, it's real hard, okay? All right, so here we go. We're going to start in the first position. We're going to push the leg out straight down from knee to shoulder, and we're just standing tall. Butt is flexed. Hey, over there, are y'all's butts flexed? Oh, yes? Okay, good. Keep that butt flexed. I'm going to start the clock right now. So it feels good. How's everybody doing? Good? How you feeling? Is you, just the one down cheek. Just the one down cheek is flexed. Not both. Just the one down cheek. Hey, real quick. Real quick, I need you to know something. This is being recorded right now, and I've said butt and cheek like 10 times, right? All right, so let's reach that hand as high as we can get it. Like, you are right there, and I can get the bulb if I just keep reaching. Now, that should feel tight in there a little bit. We just start to feel a little something, especially if you're one of those desk dwellers, right? Hi. Good to see everybody. Good. So now we're reaching as high as we can get it. Good, good, good. And then we're going to take it over to the side. Trying to keep our back as flat as we can, so directly over to the side. You can still turn that bowl if you want. It's up to you. It's all right. It's good. It's good. We're going to hold that for just a second. Is your butt flex in the back? Okay, good. And she's right. This is really hard on the knees. So let's switch sides. We're not just going to have you walk around. You're going to like be walking in circles if we only get one side. So let's put the other knee down on the ground. I'm good. Thank you. Wait, it was this, this knee. Okay, so... Remember, knee to shoulder, nice and flat. We've got our cheek flexed, just the one, and we're facing forward. Just going to sit here. Now, just think about this. You're in your office, the door's closed, your boss walks in. Hey, what's happening? I'd like to show you something, boss. Please, come. It's flexed, guys. All right, let's reach up and spin just a little bit. We're trying to get the bicep really to touch your ear, and I want your head nice and straight. So we're reaching. Oh, yeah. It feels a little tight in there. Okay. I guess I could probably move on from that slide, huh? <laughs> all right, let's take it out to the side just a little bit. There we go. You can rest that arm on there. No big deal. As long as you're going all the way out to the side. Oh, so good. So good. So good, guys. All right, let's bring it down. Was your, everybody nice and tight there? Okay, good. Do that twice a day. Once before you start working and once before you leave the office. And then here's a cool thing. As we move through this curriculum today and you grab some ideas or you start, we've got a great book and we'll talk about it in this a little bit that the, um, at the table outside that you can purchase, that book is called Everybody Matters. Lots and lots of great ideas about how to steward your body for God's glory. I would recommend picking one of those up here. If we run out, then pick one up on Amazon. But this idea that you're doing this in your office because you want some relief from what might be back pain. And what I say is, steward your body for God's glory and invite your coworkers into that, right? How much fun can we have? Like just have, instead of having coffee in the break room, we all stand around and do a three-position lunge twice a day, right? And we're going to say, hang out. Hey, is your butt flexed? 
right? I mean, who doesn't love that? Okay, so now here's what I get to do. Um, I, wanna, I do want to get kind of serious for just a second. I have, Beckanale is a, a very good friend of mine and friend of my family. And what you're about to hear is a really powerful testimony of how she went from someone who didn't know, care, or understand how to steward her body to someone who I now would say, man, that girl gets it. She's 10 times more beautiful than she was before, but not because her body's any different, but because she views herself differently and she views herself even more so as a daughter of the king. So will you please help me um, welcome Becca Nail. You, you turned me on. Awesome. That sounded weird. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, like Bobby said, I um, just get to talk a little bit. Hey, what's up? Um, I get to talk a little bit about just my journey from like the things I, what I wasn't committed to, to the things I'm now committed to. So before, um, I, um, knew any, I was, I was just oblivious. I didn't, I didn't see, and I didn't understand the call that, that Blake, uh, Blake and Bobby mentioned about how I need to love the Lord, my God, with all of my heart, with all of my soul and with all of my might. Um, and so my testimony is mo- talking about what I was committed to and then how I, changed my commitment over to the Lord fully in this area. So um, just to give you a little backstory, this is where I was. I was uncommitted to health and activity and oblivious to recognizing my wellness played a direct role in my relationship with Christ. I think um, figuring out the why behind I was so uncommitted is important to figuring out how I should now become committed to things of Christ. So just to pepper in a little backstory for you, when I was a kid, I was really active and healthy. Um, I would run um, fun runs with my dad, and we'd drink like protein shakes afterwards, and it was like super fun father-daughter bonding. Um, but then it quickly turned, um, I quickly got turned off to health fitness through some just childhood hurt. I saw fitness and health um, as being glorified. This is the saving thing that will um, make it all better. Um, I saw my dad glorify himself through percentage body fat and BMI challenges at his local gym. And then I also quickly found as a kid that food gave me comfort in tough circumstances. I was able to fix how I would feel with a scoop of of Bluebell or Brahms. Um, Those are my two faves, if anyone wants to hit me up afterwards. Okay. Um, (laughs) I found comfort in food and I found happiness in binge watching TV for hours. But all that did was start an extremely vicious cycle. I would feel guilty for the unhealthy choices. Um, And instead of turning to God for affirmation, I would run to the latest workout or top-rated diet. So um, turning to diet and exercise with this, this will fix everything mindset was actually throwing me deeper into my unhealth. So working out, dieting, they weren't fixing anything. So I would grow weary and fall off the wagon. And so I really think of um, my wellness journey and this vicious cycle um, with this passage in Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I'm not, not going to figure out the clicker, let's be honest. Um, and just, just the laziness and uncommitment of my life in this area. 
I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So I was poor in the spirit and I was wanting and I had no idea. Um, so my commitment to my unhealthy choices wasn't just hurting me physically. It wasn't just affecting my body. I was unhappy and insecure. I was weighted down physically. Yes, I was at an extremely unhealthy weight. Um, but what was even worse was that I was weighted down spiritually, emotionally, and even relationally. Um, I was unhappy, lacking joy and insecure. And so my relationships as a result, they took a hit. So Um, my default in relationships with people where I would feel insecure, um, was to withdraw, be standoffish and unkind to others around me. And so that was just another way that I was trying to control, um, because I didn't want to open up or share the hurts in this specific area of my life. So in my commitment to me trying to control things on my own, I was actually losing control and fast. Um, I even started losing control of my thought life, um, Just so, because I was so committed to my own way of thinking in this area, um, my thoughts ruled me and kept me in bondage from engaging with my Savior. Um, So just to give you like an insight into some of the thoughts that came along, um, I'm going to let you in. I wrote down some thoughts that like plagued me and were on repeat. Um, And maybe you can like see some of the vicious cycle that kind of was going on. And that was my thought life. So... Um, this week is my last unhealthy week. Next week, I'll do better. Um, tonight is the last night before my new diet, YOLO. Um, this new diet make me, make, better make me drop 20 pounds before swimsuit season. Why isn't all this exercise and dieting working, working fast enough? I worked out hard today. I deserve this Brahms double dip. Uh, does it really matter if I add a little sugar and junk back into my diet? I'm still working out. Why am I not seeing visible change? I better get back on the wagon. My quads and hips um, don't look like these other girls. I hate them. I am not skinny and trim. I don't have a thigh gap, and I don't look like Heidi Klum. A man will never notice or desire me. Why can't I look like her? That's not fair. I need some ice cream. So y'all follow that vicious cycle happening there? Okay. Um, I was clearly committing my heart, mind, soul, and strength to things that would not give me life. The lack of commitment was a big, huge barricade in my intimacy with Christ. I wasn't fully surrendered to Christ, and I think about that uh, battle between the flesh and the spirit like it talks about in Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. And so I just felt like there was just this big battle and I had no idea how to commit my way over to the Lord. And so how I started moving into that area of commitment was actually um, by surrounding myself with people who pushed me to surrender all areas of my life, my whole self, like Bobby mentioned, um, over to Christ. Um, so Bobby and his wife, Stacy started pouring God's word into my life. They didn't give me a diet. They didn't give me a workout plan. They, they gave me God's word. They invited me um, to engage in a staff wellness group that Bobby had organized. 
Um, And then my community group pushed me to commit my whole self over to Christ, forsaking my flesh and pursuing the spirit. So, um, and I also started speaking more authentically to them in this area. So if this is a struggle for you, um, I encourage you to go and talk to your community group um, and talking about the gravity that this struggle places in your life. Um, um, And then um, I started working out with other people for accountability. And so as I committed this area of of my life to Christ, I started to desire to learn more about my body, fitness, and nutrition. Like God gave me this passion, um, and it was growing. And so after I finished the first wellness group that I went through with Bobby, I started helping Bobby coach. Um, And I even went and got my personal trainer certification through Cooper. Um, and so that, through that desire to gain knowledge, the Lord was faithful to continue to refine my view of wellness. So I was on this great track. I was learning about wellness. I was taking strides, but the Lord still chose to refine me. Um, so, um, although I had taken these great strides, I still didn't see the full picture until one day when I was sitting in Cooper, I was learning about my body DNA, my genetic makeup, and the muscle fibers that are designated to us as a result. So to give you some more backstory, for a long time I would stand in the mirror and I would have this picture in my mind of what I wanted to look like that wasn't currently what I looked like. Um, So some of you um, here maybe know Sarah Colquitt Weisinger. Um, She's awesome and I love her to death. She's the On Your Mark coordinator here. Um, And she had the body I wanted, okay? So Sarah... At conception, this is what I was learning at Cooper. They weren't talking about Sarah at Cooper, but I was just learning about it. Um, So Sarah at conception was given a specific genetic makeup that gave her lots of type 1 muscle fibers. So basically, she had legs that won't quit, and she could run for days, literally days, okay? And so me, on the other hand, I have quite a bit of type 2 A and B muscle fibers. This means I have some hips that don't lie, and quads that won't, that struggle to fit into jeans, okay? But those muscle fibers also give me the ability to squat heavy weight and have quite a bit of deliberate power in my movements. So I found out that I'm designed different than Sarah by God, okay? So I will never to be, a, be able to run as graceful or be as capable on a run as Sarah Weisinger. I'll never look like her. I look ridiculous running next to her. But then again, she will never be able to squat 232 pounds when she's doing a back squat. So that's not how I was designed. That's not how she was designed. And so it was huge. It was a huge recognition. So the more I surrendered my old views of my wellness over to the Lord, he was faithful to replace them with untarnished views, his views, his view of me. So um, I started to feel more confident and comfortable in my body. Um, I started thanking God for giving me hips and quads that I used to hate. And that made me look different from other girls. Um, I stopped hearing as much negative chatter when I stood in the mirror um, I started seeing my body through the lens of 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. My do- body does not belong to me. I'm supposed to steward um, my body for his glory. I'm supposed to steward my body, not Sarah Weisinger's body, for his glory, not mine. 
So once I started taking my wants out of the picture, it really became easier to move commitment over to him. So where my commitment is now, it's still a daily choice. So I still daily have to choose to die to myself and hit that and not hit that snooze button at 5.30 a.m. I still have to daily choose to run to my creator instead of a sweet treat. Brahms, okay? Um, I'm still tempted to discredit or criticize my design. And so I have to return to God's word that reminds me of his truth in Psalm 139, where it says, I am knit together in my mother's womb. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He gave me the muscle fibers he gave me with my DNA And so because God designed me, that's what has set me apart as fearfully and wonderfully made. So the more I commit myself to his word, the more confident I feel in the way God made me, and I feel encouraged to pursue intimacy with him. So just to sum it up, I first had to identify my hindrances, the things that were keeping me from engaging with the Lord in this way. I had to commit myself to his word and be in it daily. I had to fall in with community. I kept trying to do it alone, and that vicious cycle just kept going. I had to commit to learning more about my body, fitness, and health, so that knowledge, getting more knowledge about the science behind it all. I surrendered my view to him and committed to his view of me. And so I hope and encourage that you'll do the same. Now Bobby's going to come back up. Wasn't that sweet? Sweet Becca. Aww. Sweet, sweet Becca. Okay, so it's time for tip number two. Um, before, don't you get to stay seated, by the way. No more butt flexing or any of that, guys. So you're okay there. But we are going to watch a video um, that is kind of explains some stuff that I really didn't know before I watched this. So um, let's take a look at that. Okay, that was another commercial, by the way. So we cut it off on there. Um, all right, so right there at the end, he started talking about, um, about type 2 diabetes. Right, which is something that is, in most cases, a completely preventable disease. But it's one that has skyrocketed in our American culture and Western culture since 1960. It's, and the result of that is that we just continue to store more and more fat in our bodies, and then we become insulin insensitive. And then the insulin just doesn't work anymore. Our muscles don't take in the glucose, even though the insulin is there. It just gets really wacky. People who suffer from this, it's the percentage has doubled since 1960. So we think, okay, yeah, that's, there's uh, this many people, and then you double that two times that many people now have that thing. Well, that would be bad enough. But we've had a lot of population growth since 1960. And if you add in the population growth and say, hey, the percentages are doubled, we have an epidemic on our hands, and one that if we are willing to deny ourselves can be preventable. Now, before we go any farther, right, I want to make sure that I say something, that this is actually really and truly not a fair fight, right? We, I know the guys down at, some of the guys at Frito-Lay, they're hatching plans to get us to eat more and more of their stuff all the time, right? Like with mustaches, just twiddle them like this. And so we know that their food is engineered now to make us want to eat more and to give us less of a sense of satiety where we're not, we don't feel full anymore We just keep eating these things and we keep going back to them. That cycle continues to happen. Our body becomes insensitive. And then we are now on diabetes medications, right? So also, I need to say this. There is not a single body type that is more holy. 
We're not going to look at a, at a Sarah Colquitt or a Sarah Weisinger and say, she is way more holy than a Becca Nail. We're not going to say that. What we are going to say is that God wants all of Sarah Weisinger. God wants all of Becca Nail, every bit. And he wants us to steward our bodies for his glory. Okay, so we haven't really talked yet about what tip number two is. But before I give it to you, I want to do this. I want to talk about um, from the American Journal of Nutrition. This is Victor Fulgoni with me. Fulgoni. Thank you very much. Thank you. I teach fourth and fifth graders, guys, so I need feedback. Okay, (laughs) please. All right. He says this. Um, Where are we now? Thus. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me set this up. He's talking about high fructose corn syrup. He's writing a paper for the American Journal of Nutrition, and he's really kind of defending high fructose corn syrup, saying that, hey, it really isn't all that bad, but... And so that's the part I want us to listen for. Now, we have a clearer picture about high fructose corn syrup, namely, metabolic responses are similar to sucrose table sugar, as would be expected from the composition of these two sweeteners. That said, there's still concern about added sugars consumption because these provide a significant number of calories to the American diet, not to mention that insulin roller coaster that we're constantly riding. Although some would like to continue to demonize high fructose corn syrup, it is demonizable because they can fit more into smaller packages. We'll talk about that later at some point, right? The focus should be on reducing all sources of added sugars and other sources of extra calories. Okay, so... Are you ready for tip number two? Can anybody guess what tip number two is? Yeah. Let's just stop eating sugar, okay? (laughs) That's a a really great thing we can do, right? Now the answer is why. Why stop eating sugar? I like it. The Bible doesn't say I can't. Hey, honey, milk and honey, there's sugar and honey, right? So why stop eating sugar? Number one, to stop the insulin roller coaster that sugar is the major contributor to. That's the first thing. Sugar, if not not the number one, it's certainly one of the top contributors to this type 2 diabetes epidemic that we have going on in our country right now. Okay, so we want to stop eating sugar. Um, We've established that sugar really isn't good for you, I think. Okay, so I'll say that and save us some time. I had all of this research, right? And I was like, oh, I'll give them handouts and we'll like look at all these papers. And like, nobody wants, they want to hear Becca talk about her life change. No one wants to look at papers. If you're one of those kinds of people, that number that's at the bottom of your paper, text me your email address and I'll just download everything until I'll Dropbox all of it. And you can have everything you want about how bad sugar really is and that it is toxic. The places uh, San Francisco right now is trying to um, create an ordinance to outlaw a lot of high fructose corn syrup and some of their um, city beverages and that sort of thing. And so we see that people are really waking up. Now, it's, it's San Francisco, so they're probably a little on the crazy side. But, <laughs> but there's probably some truth there too, guys, I promise, right? Okay, so we know that it's not good for us. We want to steward God's temple for his glory. So from a physical standpoint, it just doesn't make sense to eat a lot of sugar, Okay. The number two reason why we shouldn't eat sugar, really to grow your faith. And how are we going to do that? Like, I'm not going to eat sugar, and I'm going to love Jesus more. Okay, let's, let's, let me hash that out for you. So let's look at Luke 14, 25 through 27. It says this, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ooh, I just, that That's important, right? I am not saying right now, let me be on record, I am not saying that if you choose to stop eating sugar today, you are not like, I'm carrying my cross, guys. I'm going to go ahead and have some more kale, right? That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that this exercise of denying yourself from sugar can help build a soul that is willing to carry a cross. One that says, hey, on the daily, I'm going to say no to this, and I am going to engage with what is best for my body so that God might be glorified by the way that I eat and consume food. So there's that. So a test of our will to abstain from sugar can train our hearts and steer our affections to our Savior. Francois, everybody with me on that? Francois, very nice. Francois Fenelon, he wrote a book that is called Christian Perfection. He says this, The soul, by the neglect of the little things, becomes accustomed to unfaithfulness. The soul, by the neglect of little things, becomes, unfa- becomes accustomed to unfaithfulness. So this area in our lives where we submit ourselves to gluttony and indulgence, really that can help our souls become accustomed to an unfaithfulness. If we know that God would say, hey, that's not what's best for you, it's not my best for you, but you choose to indulge anyway, that you choose to be unfaithful in that small way, you're being trained to continue to do that in larger and larger ways. But the awesome part of this is that as you choose to go the opposite way, and as you choose to sit in front of something and say, hey, I will not let my belly decide my fate on what I do here, you are training yourself in the same way that you would if you were lifting weights, and the next time you do it, you're a little bit stronger. You're able to submit more of yourself as you continue to do this on a daily basis. Here's the great thing. Is it, if we're just talking about working out, like, hey, you came here because you wanted to talk about working out, we could do that maybe once a day. Some of us who are really have a lot of free time might go like twice. But this idea of like cutting out sugar from my diet or eating healthy for the sake of God's glory, that's in my face three, four, five times a day where I have to say, hey, I'm going to make this choice to train myself to love my Lord more. Okay, I do want to talk about this. It's not a requirement, right? No one's saying if you made it to the class, you got to go and give up sugar, so don't freak out, okay? Just keep yourself nice and calm. But I do want to give you some pointers, like what does it look like to not eat sugar? Like I've chosen to do this. Man, it has been such a crazy blessing. Not having a lot of afternoon cravings for stuff. There's a girl on my floor who has, and she does it on purpose, I swear. She puts not just the regular M&Ms, she puts the almond or the peanut M&Ms in a bowl on her desk. And so it's just like 17 steps, I know exactly, and I would go there, and I would have just a few of the, of the, you know, the M&Ms, and I'd take them back to my desk. Like, hey, we know, that, that, that's it right there, there's sugar, let's just not do that. There's no way you can justify that if you're going to say, I'm not eating sugar, but I'm going to have a few of these, it just doesn't work. There's a peanut, nope, nope, doesn't work, right? So there's one way to stop doing that, right? Um, but also things like sugary desserts. I tend to think that I am entitled to a sugar. If I have just plowed a 14-ounce steak, that's hard to do. 
And so I deserve a little bit of sugary dessert at the end of that meal, right? But do you? And why? Start to examine the condition of your heart as you come to these opportunities to give yourself over to the Lord. When you're saying, I'm just going to stop with the sugar, I want the dessert. Why? Do I need the dessert? Am I satiated? Do I, do I feel like I'm going to faint if I don't have a little more insulin running through me? No, those things are not possible. Maybe, but, but we can say, Lord, I'm not going to have that, and I'm going to honor you with it. Okay, so there's that. I need to talk with you a little bit more about a process that I um, am embarking on. I am trying to say, hey, 99% of the time, if I don't eat sugar, it's a beating. 100% of the time, if I don't eat sugar, it's a blessing. As a friend of mine used to always say that about all kinds of things. I think it was cussing for them, but we're not going to talk about who that was. So, um, this, But if I say, okay, if every time I come to that bowl of M&Ms and I say, is this the 1% of the time that I can go ahead and have that sugar? Is it justified now? Should I go ahead and do it? It is so much harder than if I just go right past the bowl knowing that I, 100% of the time, am not going to eat sugar. 99% of the time, it's, it's a beating. 100% of the time, it's going to be a blessing. So there's that. Now, I, it sounds to me like I'm saying to you, hey, I'm the legalistic guy, and I want you to always, never, ever eat sugar ever again. So let me give you an example of the last time that I had some sugar recently, and it was amazing. Okay. <laughs> My wife is an like, expert level. She could be on the Food Network or something on just cu- cu- uh, chocolate chip cookies. Everything else is like still really good, but the chocolate chip cookies are expert level. And I was um, in, inside, and I was going to go outside and play with the kids, and I'm walking through the kitchen, and there on the cooling rack were like dozens and dozens of chocolate chip cookies. And they looked really good, and I know that they were still warm because I might have put my hand on one, just to test. I wasn't going to, I didn't do any of that. I just, I was just going to see if it was still warm, right? And it was. And I knew what that chocolate chip cookie was going to taste like. I knew that I wasn't hungry. I just happened to stumble on a treasure, right? I didn't, there was no, no need to eat that cookie. And so I walked right on out. It's like, look at me, God, I love you. And I'm not going to eat these cookies. And so I get outside, hang out with my son and my daughter. And we come back in, just me and, me and Miller, my son, and he walks in and goes, oh, cookies. <laughs> Dad, you want to have a cookie with me? In that moment, had I been the 100% guy, think about the discouragement of my, of my four-year-old son who said, no, Daddy doesn't want to share a cookie with me because he doesn't eat sugar. That wouldn't work. It, it's just, I'm not honoring God and how I steward my family in that way. So little guy and I broke a cookie, and we shared it, and it was awesome, and I felt exactly 0% guilty for eating that bit of sugar. Because in that moment, my choice was to glorify God more by sharing a moment with my son and not caring about the stupid cookie, right? The, the, that in the 99%, I think we could probably work through. I, if that's my 1%, I'm going to take that all the time. But if I just pass the cookie and not try and justify it for any reason when it's just me and my heart, man, that is going to be a crazy blessing to my life. So I want to do this. You have that phone number, and this may not work. There may be one of you guys in this group of 100 people here that might do it. But you have that phone number. If you choose to not eat sugar going forward, 
I want to hear from you. So we're going to get those from now to eternity, apparently. And so I want to know in a week, like, hey, what's it been like? I guarantee you next Saturday, if you chose from today to stop eating sugar, next Saturday ain't going to be easy, right? Your body has been conditioned to want and crave and drive you to go get in the car and drive two Brahms and get more sugar, <laughs> but give it two weeks, Right? And in two weeks, start to see what happens. Your, your blood glucose levels begin to level out. You're not consistently going, I gotta have that. And then all of a sudden, other foods start to become more pleasing to you. I'll tell you this. I had a mango the other day. Have you ever guys had one of these things? Amazing. But when I'm not shoving M&Ms in my mouth and, and, and hyper like satiating this, this desire for sugar in my mouth, when I'm not doing that, my palate can go, oh, this is really good, and God created this for me to enjoy, and it's as good as candy to me, and better even. So I want to hear about how it works for you. So if you do it, great. Type it in. Yes, ma'am. It's in everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't eat. I, here's what I'm, here, that's a great point, and, we, and write that. Next time, on your, um, the, to the text message thing on the phone number. But I love it because I want to talk about that. I don't care. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to not eat savory foods, salty foods, because they might have sugar. Oh, I might look, and I might choose one that has less sugars in it. But I'm really talking about this sweetness that I want you to wean yourself from so that you might, at every time you have a chance to, say... I'm choosing to avoid that so that I might steward my body for God's glory. But great question, right? So I'm not going to go crazy with it. Um, so we are about to uh, move on to, may, did I make it clear? I do want to hear back from you. A week, two weeks, a month, a year, if you choose to do that and not have sugar. Let me know what's going on. I really want to kind of collect that data. We are going to take a break. We're going to take a 10-minute break. And I have my little watch right here. And yes. Five-minute break. We're taking a five, one, three, two, one, go. It's a five-minute break. Come back here, and we're going to finish up. All right. Who else doesn't know what satiate means, what Bobby keeps saying? I'm back there. I'm going, what, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I learned it. I looked it up. But uh, anyway, yeah, that caught me off. Real quickly, um, I, I hope real quickly, we're going to move through what it looks like uh, to do this, to pursue this wellness, this kind of unicorn, hopefully not after today. You guys will think it's a little bit more attainable. What it looks like to pursue this with community. So as I mentioned earlier, I, I just joined staff recently uh, here at Watermark, and now I'm on, the, I'm on the single men's community team. So now it's my job uh, to get to meet with uh, some of you guys, even in this room, young single fellas, to talk about how we live out uh, what Watermark's uh, defined as uh, these six core values of community, how we live those out. I love getting to do that. And um, I'm realizing more and more as I do this job that it's things that I've already experienced in life, um, but, but now doing them, uh, especially as I walk through my journey with Christ, my relationship with Christ, just how beneficial they are. Um, real quickly, my old community, uh, what it looked like was... Um, and this is kind of my, my story, my, my fitness, my wellness journey um, for, for a lot of years was me and about 115 to 120 other knuckleheaded uh, meatheads playing football. So I um, 
played football in college, and that was my means of providing for myself, if you will. My body was my mode or my greatest asset to uh, essentially earn a living, to earn a scholarship, five years worth of uh, being able to perform in order to earn uh, a scholarship or compensation. And so um, I was surrounded with guys that were not really walking with the Lord. I say not really, I mean really not really. Um, <laughs> and I had a few of them that were, thankfully. And so I, there, there, was some, there was a few guys on that team that, that were there to help remind me of what it looked like to honor the Lord, to play for an audience of one, to use my body, not to glorify myself, not to get big and strong so that I could... Um, you know, somehow bring, bring more uh, fame or uh, renown to myself. But man, it was to glorify God uh, by, by playing a sport that too many Americans are obsessed about, quite frankly. Um, and so, man, that, that was, um, it was, it was tough on me because you felt like you were going at it alone. You felt, you know what, what was true. And one of, one of my favorite uh, scriptures I used to pray before games uh, that I loved was was First Samuel sixteen seven. If you guys will write that one down, that that again talks about God's heart for what He values in a person. So just like Becca was talking about, I am a type two A and B type person. I'm a slow twitch. Uh, B, excuse me. A um, yes, yeah, a type two. That, that's what I meant. I, I, I had I I was a large human. Uh, I was about sixty five pounds heavier than I am now. Uh, for uh, a long period of my life. So I got up to about 305 pounds uh, of, of really pretty strong uh, mass that it was my job to move people and stop people from moving somewhere. And so uh, I worked for seven years of my life eating four, five, six times a day, lifting weights hours a day, hours a week, just so that I could maintain a certain physical physique uh, to do a job that I loved and a job that was great. But too often that that kind of I drifted into an unhealthy uh, idolatry, if you will, of how I maintained my temple. And so I knew this was me. I knew, or excuse me, I knew I was the temple of the Holy Spirit that God reigned inside of me, that he lived inside of me, rather. I knew that that first Samuel verse was true, that God looks at the inside of a man. He doesn't look at the outside or the outward appearance to assess value or to, um, you know, uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about our outside appearance as far as worth does like, like the world does. And so, man, playing football, that was not preached. That was hard for me. I needed community around me to remind me that. I did not have that until recently. Like I mentioned earlier, I got to take part in Bobby and, and Becca's, uh, underneath their leadership, the well class that we have here on staff, that we went from September to December, and we learned about what it looks like to um, surround yourself with other people that are going to, you know, do what we talk about here, the community values. And I was encouraged every day to, to look at God's word, to what God's word says about uh, not just wellness or how I should train myself or sleep or eat, but how uh, I should do everything to the glory of God. Okay, they were, they were there to remind me of that. They were there to, um, you know, counsel me with God's word specifically. You guys are in community groups. You guys know that we do this all the time. This is important to us. I was lovingly admonished when I got off course. If I showed up late to our five o'clock well class, everybody had to do burpees. And so you had one minute of grace. If you showed up at 5.02, everybody had to pay. And so that was just a great way to learn that say, hey, look, there are consequences to actions. And uh, that, that community spurred me on. I, I wasn't late very many times. I think I was late one time. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, anyway, uh, for the first time I was being held accountable uh, to do my best, not because a coach was going to pick on me or say, son, next fall, you know, because you didn't do those reps, next fall you're going to miss a block that's going to cost us a game. That was used to be my motivation to want to do well, to want to be my best, to want to get in all my workouts so that one, uh, my coach might think highly of me, my peers might look at me a little different way, and I might be able to walk around a big, strong guy. That's not the right motivation. And so, uh, man, getting, getting to learn this from, from in well, from our other community there we were surrounded with was impactful for me. And so I, I want to just say that for you guys. This, this is an offer you guys uh, can, can uh, you know, this is, this is available to y'all. You, you may not have a well class like we had uh, to sign up and surround yourself with 16 other staff members that are working at the same time, doing the same exercises to uh, achieve the same goal, which was faithfulness, not a certain number, which for me forever, uh, the, the goal or the determinant of success, how you kept score was, wh- was whether or not I got to a certain maximum strength number. Could I finally get my squat up to 580 pounds? Could I get up to 305 pounds of weight? If I got below 300 pounds, my coach was going to get on to me. For once, my goal was not to achieve some kind of number or success. It was to be faithful, first and foremost. And so you, all of you guys, that's the standard for all of us, not to get, you know, drop 20 pounds, 10 pounds, 5 pounds, 40 pounds. Your goal is to be faithful with what you've got. And so if we don't have community around us to remind us of that, like I said, remind us of God's word to encourage us, um, to uh, be there to spur us on. That's going to be a lot harder. So whether you've got a spouse, uh, whether you have a sibling, a close friend, or if you guys have your community groups, I encourage you to invite them in uh, to that process. So when you go home, when you have your next community group, say, hey, guys, I, haven't, I may not have been uh, open about this or may not have mentioned this before, but I'm really self-conscious about the way I look or uh, the way that I am embarrassing uh, appearing like, like Becca talked about. When I run, I look like a goofball. You know, for me, one lately has been the fact that I'm, I don't look like I used to look, and I used to like how I used to look. And so and confessing that to community and saying, hey, guys, would y'all pray for me? Would y'all keep me accountable to this? Would y'all help me in my wellness journey? Would y'all help me go to bed on time? Would y'all keep me accountable to that so that I can get up in the morning and, and have my first fruits to honor the Lord? So this is available to all you guys. I encourage you to let um, your community groups, your spouse, your siblings, good friends, into that process. Community is important uh, in wellness. Thank you all. <clears throat> all right. Wait, oh, sorry, that was, that was, I flexed that earlier, just so you know. Um, okay. <laughs> Somebody was going to get that. Okay. All right, uh, we, are, we, have a, we have a schedule change, everyone. There is a schedule change. There will be no tip number three. I'm so sorry. There is no tip number three. We've run out of time. I was trying to tell too many jokes, and apparently it took too long, and so there's another one. And so uh, we are going to move right into rest. We're going to talk about rest. I get to talk about the fun topic of resting. Genesis 2, 1 through 3, says this. Dun, dun, dun. Is it there? There we go. Okay. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day that when he rested from all of his work of creation. So 
God rested, right? Setting an example for us, he rested. And he calls us to rest. In fact, it's in the top five of the Ten Commandments. Not only the top ten, even broke the top five. At number four, it says that we are to keep the Sabbath holy, right? We are to rest in the same way that he set an example for us to rest. And physically, when we're physically taxed, it's really easy to know that you need to rest, right? Um, here would be a great example. If all of us, we just said right now, tip number three was we're running outside, we're going outside, and we're going to run a marathon. Whether or not you've trained or stretched out or whatever, we're going to take off. And your need for rest is going to slap you in the face. Some of us in like 20 meters. Others, maybe they might make it two miles or seven miles or somebody might make it a ways. But you are going to need to rest. Super easy to understand that my body just can't keep going. I can't do that. Here's the other part that's really hard to understand. It's that we need to rest spiritually. Our lives get to a point where we, we spiritually will be running at the pace that we would if we walked outside right now and tried to run a marathon. I think of myself, right? We've got a job that I need to do. I have, I'm in charge of the fourth and fifth graders here at Watermark. There's 250 of them, and almost all of them are awesome. That means that some are not. I'm kidding. They're all really awesome, but they're hard to keep up with, right? And we've got to be able to create curriculum. I've got to be excellent at those things. But I also love this, this wellness area that we're talking about. So I help our staff to work out three times a week. And then on top of that, I've got a wife at home. And actually, I would say she's on top of all of those things, right? And just below her, I've got these two beautiful children who want a father who, wants to, who, who they want to be present and connect with them to coach their soccer teams and to play with them in the front yard or to catch a chicken that might have gotten loose, whatever, right? So they need me there too. And in trying to do all of those things, I can get just crazy spent. I can come kind of to the end of myself. The hard part is, unlike being physically tested, it's not as easy to see, and it takes a lot longer time for us to get to that point where we cry mercy and say that I'm done. And a lot of times that happens for, some, for us in just being burnt out in something we're doing, and we finally say, I'll never do that again because I don't have any time for it. I can't manage my life, so I'm just going to cut things out. And oftentimes, this part of our lives, this resting part, is one that we are not, we don't uh, do willingly. It's thrust upon us because we just can't keep going anymore. So, what I feel like here is that being able to rest shows that we believe and trust that God is in control, and that we also have faith that He will bring glory. To, to himself through our resting. I want to know that I can not have to do everything so that I can trust God who does everything through me. Exodus 33, 12 through 14 says this. One day Moses, I, okay, I have to read this kind of in character because I just feel like this is how it went, right? Like One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me who you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, 
then let me know your ways so that I might understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. And then the Lord replies, I'll personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will go fine for you. Right? I feel like Moses is just going, I've got a lot of stuff here, God, and you said. And so, come on, man, help me out here. And God is saying, hey, look, everything works out because I make it work out. You can stop your toil, Moses. I'm going with you. That's who I'm going to send, and it will work out for you. The New Testament, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, says this. Let's see what we got there. There we go. Then Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. When we are in a tizzy about our schedule and toiling all of the time, we don't kind of uh, exude people who believe that this um, yoke of Christ is light. We have to choose to trust that God is good and he will do what he's going to do and glorify himself through us and our situations and just choose to rest. You know, I am on staff here at Watermark. We've talked about that many times. Yep. And um, I get a chance to hang out with um, Todd Wagner a lot in our staff prayer. And he says this um, little saying all the time. He says, uh, things are going crazy. Who knows what it might be? He'll lean over and just go, it'll all work out. And people get so frustrated. They're like, well, it might, but it ain't going to be because you're doing nothing. Help me. It'll all work out. Right? It's going to calm down. Trust God. It'll all work out. That's what I want us as people who want to steward our bodies for God's glory, to see and say about how we rest. We have to choose to do that. We are not saying here that you should rest, but rather we are saying that you must rest from your daily grind. It is a commandment. You have to do it. It's a requirement that um, is real easy to see in in that marathon scenario, but it's just as equally imminent. It's going to happen to you that you are going to need rest. It'll just take a little bit longer to recognize, but it might have more devastating consequences when you choose not to rest than if you just tried to do a um, marathon on your own. By building this need for God, we have to see that we need God. I believe that he, he gave us this need to rest so that we might see that it's not all about us. It's not all within our power. Here's some scriptures, I think, that will help us to see that. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I can't toil and make it happen anyway. I can't do anything without him. And if he calls me to rest, I do that. Psalm 46, 10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then lastly, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that seek first, that seems to me to be real active. Like, I got to go and seek 
first his kingdom and his righteousness. And sometimes seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness means shutting her down, right? And opening your Bible or sitting on the floor and enjoying your newborn child or just going away and being still and not constantly toiling. So um, we know that, and then we're going to go from there. So that will lead us, this rest need will lead us to our next tip, which Beck and Nail will come on up. You do have a little flyer for it, so please um, grab that, and she will lay a bomb on you here in just a second. So sorry. I thought I had my notes with me, and I didn't. Okay, so um, the tip number four, we've been talking about rest, and um, I think that's hard for me. Um, I was just talking in the back a little bit more about how going to bed each night is a step of faith. Um, You're having to trust that whatever it was that God put on your plate that day, um, whatever argument or conflict you had that day, um, you're having to say, hey, Lord, I'm laying that before you, and I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to trust you. And so rest is hard, but our world is constantly trying to to rob us of rest, whether it's through um, uh, having to problem solve, having to deal with conflict. Um, Our iPhones, our iPads, screen time, it just robs us. of um, sleep and of rest. And so um, you got a little handout um, that says Surrendered Wellness Sleep 14. Um, And this was a 14-day challenge that we did, um, we've done now, I think, for uh, four groups in a row. Um, and it is just, it's something that we're going to give you. Hopefully it's a fun tool to take, not really fun. Cause it's like, it's hard. Um, but like, it's a tool that you can take to your community groups, to people that are running with you and be like, Hey, I'm wanting to maybe do this challenge. Um, do you want to do it with me? Cause right. Like Blake talked about, it's all in the context of community. And so um, it just kind of gives you the, um, the regulations. So there's consequences, right? So if, if somebody um, isn't able to fulfill or makes a, uh, makes a slip up, like you as a group are like kind of helping bear that cross with them. And so um, the five requirements of this um, uh, sleep 14, it's 14 days um, of these five requirements. You must be laying in bed for seven hours a night. You must wake up at the same time every day. Um, no caffeine for a full 10 hours before you go to bed. And I love my two or three o'clock like iced coffee. It's my jam. So um, that was like really, really hard for me. Um, but once I started um, letting go of some of that, I noticed that it really did affect um, my ability to rest and sleep at night. Um, and so then no close lit technology for three hours before you go to bed. Um, so um, there's the heart of that is, is like, hey, why are you watching TV before you're going to bed when you're trying to shut your mind off? Instead, you're filling it with stuff. Um, it just no close lit um, screens like computers work um, again, like you have to have faith that by you not answering that email, you not answering that text right now is going to, um, it's not going to fall apart. God's still going to, it's God's still going to make it work. Okay. And so then, um, 
That fifth one, um, no problem solving three hours before you go to bed. Now, this is where people are like, what? Like, can I play a game of chess before I go to bed? Like, okay, well, let's talk to you afterwards if you play chess (laughs) before you go to bed. But no, just like, um, it's again, like kind of conflict. If you're having conflict with someone, if you're kind of going through your day, um, your dad, like your um, day planner, and you're like, hey, I have to do X, Y, and Z tomorrow. And this is how I'm going to go about executing it. That's not shutting your mind off. That's waking your mind up. Right. And so it just kind of goes in a little bit more and talks about that. Um, it's actually a really good challenge. I recommend you do involve community. When I did it, I had to like let people know that I was in contact with constantly. Like, hey, at seven, because I'm going to be in bed every night at ten. At seven, right? Three hours. What? Yep, three hours. At seven, I am. I am off the radar. I am like, you cannot find me. What's the military term for that? Like. Is that AWOL? There we go. I'm like, AWOL, you can't find me. Like, you don't know. Um, so don't text me. Don't call, you can call me, but just don't text me. I'm not going to be looking at closed screens. And so it was good. Um, and, and my sleep got more consistent. Um, by the end of it, I was waking up in the morning without an alarm clock, which is insane because I love that snooze button. So um, it's a fun challenge, and I'd, I'd encourage y'all to test it out. But to kind of close off the how-to of making your wellness successful, um, I just like to talk about usefulness. Um, and so um, Blake has talked about community being important. Bobby's talked about rest being important. And um, if you continue, um, continue to hold on to those things, you will find that you are more useful. So we've learned and mentioned um, a couple times, 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are not our own. We are bought at a price. We must honor God with our bodies. So once we start to obey that command and steward our bodies well, we become more useful. We begin to, one, honor the Lord and grow more intimate with Him through that dedication. Two, we, pro- we are prepared and equipped for his service. And three, we are free to love, care for, and call others to Christ. So let's take a look at 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 25. I, yeah, I think it's actually just the end of that verse. It's not the whole passage, but it says, Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so, one, we're going to start honoring the Lord and grow more intimate with him through this dedication of our bodies. We become more useful. So in a great house, what they're talking to you in 2 Timothy, in a great house, that's the church. That's me. That's you all. That's us. So we are the church. So if we, um, this great house is yielded to him, we are dedicated to knowing his truth in this specific area, and we are honoring and growing closer to him daily. So, and when we do that, when we seek to honor and grow and grow closer to him and search his word, it says in Jeremiah 33, 3, that he will answer and says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you of great and hidden things that you have not yet known. So when we faithfully seek his truth on this topic or any topic, God is going to be faithful to show up and wow us with new truths that we didn't know. Um, So then from there, 
you then become two. You are prepared and equipped for his service. So we have an opportunity to become vessels or tools in the hands of the master, like it said in that verse. So as believers, regardless of where we are, we are all vessels for God. So like we, once we, we put on, um, we recognized um, that we needed salvation in Christ, we all became vessels for him. And so as believers, we're going to be vessels for him no matter what. So we have the opportunity to be used for honorable or dishonorable use. And so if we cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable, strip away our um, vain, selfish views on what our wellness, if we're making it about that, should look like, and we surrender any hindrances, laziness, gluttony, vanity, selfishness, the Lord will become, will make us, um, before the Lord, we will become available um, to be used for honorable purposes at that moment. Once we keep stripping those things, once we continue to refine, he refines us through that. We become ready and equipped for honorable use. And so then because of that, that third point, we are free to love, care for, and call others towards Christ. So when we surrender to him, like the passage says, we then become set apart. Like we're not the same. We're set apart. We're prepared for every good work. And so then when we have that mindset to pursue what is honorable, truthful, and good in the Lord's sight, others will take notice. So others will see and ask what is different, and others will come to you because you are equipped, and because you are set apart, you're going to need to be ready to give them an answer. Um, And your answer, hopefully by the end of this day, you will realize your answer is Jesus Christ. That's why you're different. That's why you're set apart. Not because you have a six pack. Um, Not because you're following the perfect diet to a T. So just want to be clear on that. And so um, you become more useful once you continue to surrender areas of your life to him. And so we've said time and again, Bobby, he started a wellness ministry here on staff. Just to answer some of y'all's questions y'all might already be asking, that wellness class is just for staff right now. You can be praying. Maybe it will be coming to Watermark. We don't know. It's definitely not right now. It's just for staff. But he was faithful to use his gifts in that area where he is learning about the Lord. He was faithful to the master. And so he's called others to follow him, and he's equipped and loved each different member that's come through. Um, And so then because of that, there was a woman, another story, Chris Howell. She came through, I think, the second group or the third group um, of our wellness class. And um, she was convicted. She loved what she heard. And she wanted to go seek more of what God's word said. But she also realized that coming up to here to Watermark every day to work out wasn't where her area of ministry was. She was a mom with five kids. Um, her husband's on staff. She's a mom with five kids. And she's like, I have other peers um, that are like-minded like me, but they can't get to the gym every day because they have five little ones strapped to them every day. <laughs> they can't get a free moment. And so what she did was she took what she learned and then she invited other women to come and look at God's word. And they met every morning, um, three days a week in a soccer, a school soccer field that was right outside her front door. And so if that is not kind of giving you that picture of, Hey, once you start digesting God's word, you can then, you are fully equipped to then go take it out and share that with others. So just to be clear, to wrap it up, you can dive into God's word You will then, for sure, it's guaranteed, you will be set apart if you are marked by God's word. 
and then you can encourage others to join you in that journey. Um, that's it. Oh, what? And I'm going to pray now. Oh, we're going to break now. We don't, I'm going to pray now though. Um, (laughs) dear Lord, I just thank you so much for each of these people and just their hearts to learn and know more about you. Um, I just thank you that, um, you have given us hearts, um, that are in need of you. I thank you that you have set us apart because of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would continue to remove any hindrances that would lead us to um, lack intimacy with you. We love you, you, Lord, and we thank you. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, this will be our last little bit for the day. Thank you all for being an awesome crowd and um, laughing at Becca's not-so-great jokes, but all of my awesome ones. I appreciate that, too. See that? They even laughed at that. Okay, so um, we do need a favor from you. Those of you that have been drinking water bottles, what do we need them for? A little for, for just, a little just the little bitty bottles. If you've got a little bitty bottle, we want the cap and the bottle empty, of course, um, over on that back table. Just like throw them over there as if they were in the trash. We were, gonna, we were collecting those for the, um, for the church leadership conference. So uh, you want me to introduce everybody, Becca? Oh, that's a great idea. So um, I get to sit. Oh, no, I'll be right there next to you. So this is now the time where um, Becca has her little iPad up there. She's been scrolling through questions. She's going to ask some of the ones that you've already asked. But if you have anything for us, please just text it in and we'll take care of it. We'll start from this end and work our way down. You've kind of met her a little bit, but she'll tell you more about herself. Is this? Oh, hey. Yay. Suzanne Sanderson, and I'm on staff. I went through the third well group, and the reason Bobby told me that I got to be on the panel is I'm the one that hated working out. Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. Real bad. Real bad. Um, I'm Stacy Rodriguez. I'm Bobby's wife. I did make chocolate chip cookies this mm-hmm. week on a rainy day when my mm-hmm. kids were driving us crazy. And, um, and the recipe was on the back of the chocolate chip package. <laughs> Um, Anyways, I'm on the panel just because uh, you may have questions about how to lead your family well um, in terms of nutrition and children and how do you cover meals and how do you keep active with kids. I don't know. Whatever your questions might be in terms of family, supporting your husband, that kind of thing. So, Bobby? Yeah. Well, you you have a microphone. Oh, that's right. They can share that. Yeah. Well, group six, and my mic's not on. Oh, and I haven't oh, been through well. Is it, is, your, is it on in your butt? It should be. <laughs> Maybe my fault. Um, and you also, as we're answering some of your questions, you can continue to send them in. Um, I'll be kind of just scanning through them. Obviously, we won't be able to answer all the questions today like we hoped. Um, uh, but, yeah, I just felt like the first one out of the shoot, I'd just start with a doozy. Um, guns blazing, you know. Um, so it said, um, how would you lovingly, and any of y'all can jump in and respond in any way, but how, uh, would you lovingly respond to those who do not agree or support your wellness and rest commitments? Are you okay with losing friends or distancing from those negative responses? Hmm. Uh, I, I'll jump out at that one. Uh, I would say, um, it really depends on the situation, though. Uh, that, that doesn't lead us to say, hey, what were they offended by or why would they not want to um, support me in what I'm doing? But at the end of the day, 
if what the Lord is calling me to do is steward my body for God's glory, and that means, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go cold turkey. I'm not going to uh, party anymore, and I'm going to stop drinking, right? Nobody's going to say to you, well, that ain't godly. You shouldn't be doing that. I don't agree, and I'm not going to be in community with you anymore. So when we say something like this that kind of hits a different button, I'm going to choose to steward my body to rest and not be out all night or to eat in a way that is glorifying to God and not because I want to have great abs. Well, I think that I would be willing to lose a friend, still loving them and calling them to um, Christ-likeness, but lose a friend who doesn't want to support that kind of endeavor, like me trying to love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and strength. Anybody else want to jump in on that one? So, like, how would you um, lovingly respond to a friend who isn't necessarily on the same track as you in your wellness? So I'm going to assume that's a believer. I mean, I don't know. I think it's an unbeliever you should assume they wouldn't understand. Mm -hmm. If it's a believer, I would say um, it all comes back to your heart. And so I think that's if you've heard anything today, <laughs> surrendered wellness comes all the way back to your heart. It doesn't matter if you eat the cookie. It doesn't matter if you do the air squat. It doesn't matter if you sleep eight hours a day. It all, at the end of the day, when you stand before the Lord, is going to be, where was your heart with me? And so I would say if someone's going, hey, I don't support what you're doing, go, hey, that's great. Let's talk about why. What are you questioning within me? Because they may be questioning something that's really good, like, hey, your obsession with working out three times a day is not mm-hmm. actually surrendered wellness and so it might be a really good conversation they may be wanting to go eat 50 donuts and you're convicting them so that's another really great conversation if it's their obsession with donuts because their heart's not surrendered so i feel like that's kind of an all over the board question (laughs) that is not a real simple answer but as long as you're getting back to the heart i think you can have great conversations that's good you don't got anything yeah um so i um kind of uh, like this question a lot is um, how do you engage because it's kind of the same it's kind of in the same vein how do I engage with a person who is always obsessing over working out eating right constantly making comments like they've um, like they've been really bad today and had granola for breakfast um, <laughs> like how do you engage with that person <laughs> I, 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 I gotta go it comes back exactly to what Sue said it, it's so is that um, obsession that they have, have, can we establish that they are um, making an idol out of that? Idol worship is something that the Lord calls us to not do. That's another top five of the commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. And so if that's the case, and I'm going to lovingly reprimand them and correct them as I would if they were doing something that was blatantly um, sinful, if they were... Um, looking at something on, online that they shouldn't or having an inappropriate relationship, I'm going to ask them or talk with them about that situation. I don't think this one's any different if what's going on truly is idol worship in their lives. I'm thinking you may have a good opportunity to ask more good questions uh, with that guy or gal who's um, always reminding you about how you know he's given up sugar or how he can't have sweets or how he doesn't do this or doesn't do these, make these certain choices. I've been that guy before, and I've had community lovingly tell me, hey, man, we don't need to hear how often uh, you're working out or how it's been such a struggle that you've uh, given up sugars or sweets or whatever. Um, what, <laughs> that was not blessing my friends or my community in that situation to constantly be putting in their face um, decisions that I was doing 
to uh, potentially make them feel bad or, or convict them or whatever. So, so I would think if somebody's asking you that or if they're, um, uh, excuse me, if, you're, if they're obsessing, you're, you're feeling a certain way, I would, I would take the chance to ask them good questions about where their heart is behind that, especially if you're both believers and you have a relationship, you got a chance to say, hey, man, what's your, what's your heart behind that? Tell me about that. It just seems to be really important to you. Uh, you're, you're really in tune with what you're eating and how you're spending your time. Uh, t- tell me more about that. Then, then use that to uh, direct the conversation back to um, how he's spending his time as it relates to you know, training himself for godliness or spending time in God's Word or with his other people. If he's working out all the time, that may be a problem, like Bobby said. Um, so may- maybe ask good questions. So kind of if I was to ask you, Blake, hey, is entering a physique or bodybuilding competition <laughs> a sin? <laughs> what would you say? Um, I, would, I would say, do you mind if I tell you what I think? And then, do you mind if I get back to you with some truth from God's Word? Um, I, I would tell you, it'd, be, it'd probably be pretty hard for me to enter into that environment to where hours and hours a day, it's my job to worry about how I look when God's told us not to be consumed with that. I'd say it'd be hard for me to enter in that environment where there's ladies that are doing the same thing and not wearing very much clothes um, that are at the gym Wearing what they wear today, I mean, I, I, I've, that's been another big blessing of working out up here on the ninth floor is I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about going to the gym at times with um, ladies walking around wearing hardly anything, right? So I think for me, joining into becoming a bodybuilder and spending all that time in the gym around that crowd, um, I think would be tough. Are there people out there doing it in a way that honors the Lord? I, I sure hope so. I think God's got his people everywhere. And can he get a hold of those folks? Yes. That's, that's nothing from God's Word. Those are principles I'd love to get back to them. But uh, for me, I think it would be not wise and sinful. For, for somebody, possibly, uh, maybe. I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I started laughing in the middle of your answer because I just read one of the questions that just came up, and it says, might disqualify you two from this question. Um, but about sugar, the ladies have certain chocolate cravings uh-huh, at certain times. What do we do? <laughs> Sue, Stace, want to take that one? <laughs> I can answer that. <laughs> Stay away. What time <laughs> Chickens. Uh, um, girls, chocolate's not a sin. Sugar's not a sin either. And so I think if you're hearing Bobby tell you that cutting out sugar is uh, the be-all, end-all, it's not. And if you assume that you do that, you will all of a sudden become the ideal, perfect person you want to be. God's not going to let it happen. So I'll tell a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. Is I'm like, hey, if you start running hard after something to change yourself to be something that God doesn't want you to be, he's not going to let it work. And praise him for that. Praise him for that. And he doesn't let you lose weight when it, quote, should be working because he's trying to show you that he wants your heart. So back to the question at hand, something that, that quote that was up there earlier that said, the soul by neglect of little things becomes accustomed to unfaithfulness. This quote, I, I took, I just changed it a little bit. Um, I said, the soul by denial of little things becomes accustomed to faithfulness. Mm. And so I think what um, Bobby's trying to say, and I think he said, but in case you need to hear it in different terms, 
it helps when we deny ourselves things yeah. because it teaches us that we don't get everything we want all the time. And we're not an entitled, we are an entitled society, but God didn't set it up that way. And so carrying your cross is saying, I choose what God wants for me over what I want for myself. So if you become addicted to something, not having it is hard. And so girls, no matter when that is, there's times to say no. And then there's times to eat the stupid piece of chocolate. It's okay. And you're not going to die and your friend's not going to hate you. But if you're doing it because you're entitled to it, are you doing it because, well, God made me this way? Well, let's go back to what your heart's doing in the midst of that. So eat the piece of chocolate or call your community member and go, I'm about to down an entire bag. Let's talk about it. Okay? Okay, so I, that brings up another topic about the no sugar thing. Someone did come and speak with me and wanted me to make sure that I said to everyone, and, and yeah, I want to be really clear. Um, so if we decide to cut sugars out of our diet, but then we go and supplement it with the equal number of calories of, let's say, potato chips, right? There's no sweetener in there. It's not sweet at all. Well, there's, that's still a carbohydrate which very quickly turns into sugar, glucose into our body, and then does the same damage that the sugar would have done. Or Diet Coke. Or Diet Coke. So, so here's the deal. They go, what Sue said, and, and it really, we could have said that. We could have said, it's about the heart. And then all the other stuff we could have just not said. And just everything you, every question you had, it's about the heart. So this, this, this um, act of commitment to stopping the eating of sugar is about your heart. It's about training your heart for faithfulness as opposed to continually training it for unfaithfulness. And not running to something else in place of the sugar because the same bad, ha- bad effects can come if we're putting that stuff into our bodies. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, I want to be very clear about that. Yes, stop sugar. Don't replace it with something else other than faithfulness to God. So I can testify a little bit to... um, So my story way back was that um, I was an overeater. I I was an emotional eater. I was... I basically used food in a way that uh, it when that was the Lord's job the Lord's job was to comfort the Lord's job was to bring joy the Lord's job was to do all of those things and I used food um, in my own you know little silent secret way um, to numb and heal things and so I do want to put out there that um, I did go through re- region wait yes it was celebrate recovery when I went through so I always Um, I did go through region with the intention of why do I overeat and hello, did I find out that that was really not the reason that I was there? I was there and I learned a whole lot of other things about my insecurities and things that I had not allowed the Lord to take over in my life. And so I want to encourage you that if you have heard all of this and this is, you're still struggling and you have areas that need to be surrendered, such as maybe chocolate when you think you have a justification for it. Um, that isn't of the Lord, Regen is a really great place to go in and seek that out and figure it out. The Lord has done such a transformation in my life that I am not addicted to food. I'm not consumed by food in my thoughts. I am not, I was a diet girl. I skipped, you name it, I've done it, okay? And so I just want to tell you the freedom that I had once I gave all that up and gave it over to the Lord. I no longer needed a Diet Coke at 3 in the afternoon every day. I don't crave chocolate 
at that time. <laughs> I am able to enjoy food and not feel guilty about it or feel like I need to go run or feel like I need to go do things. I can enjoy food because I'm doing it in a way that I feel like is honoring to the Lord. Do I have to constantly surrender that? Absolutely. Do I do it all the time just like everything else in our lives? No, but I do know that that consistency and that work towards the Lord, it is so not bondage for me anymore. And it was bondage for years, years. So I'm here to tell you that you can have freedom from that. And, and just knowing the heart behind what you do and knowing that the Lord is the reason that we do all things in our lives and the glory goes to him, he will change you and he can. So that. So plug for Regent. Hmm. That's really good. Um, um, and so just kind of shifting subjects a little bit, we've been talking about eating, nutrition, but now um, we've gotten a question of like, hey, brass tacks, like how often should I work out? It's mm. a great question. How often should I work out? Well, who are you, for starters, <laughs> right? Are you Blake McJunkin or are you <clears throat> Becca Nail the day that she walked into um, our little facility to be able to begin working out? It, there, there is, uh, and someone else might have a, a different opinion here, but I, there's no prescription for that. You, I can't tell you that you need to work out three times a day, and it's got to be for 20 minutes, and you've got to have your heart rate above 150, and if you don't get 10,000 steps every single day, you're not so stewarding your body for God's glory. Yet I do track my steps, right? I want to see what I'm doing. So how often should you work out? What does the Lord lay on you? How, how does he impress upon you this need to work, to work out? What does a workout look like might be the next question. Mm -hmm. For some, it might be a bicycle ride with their son on a Saturday afternoon. And for others, like Blake, it might look like 225-pound deadlifts 100 times per time. Like, I don't know exactly, but the Lord will let you know, right? Grab community. Have other people speak into that. Talk to experts and, and try to figure out, as Becca did, the science behind working out and then begin to apply that to your life, but not because you want a smaller waistline, mm -hmm. but because you want to have intimacy with your Savior. So that's my Just answer. get moving and be active. Do your yard work. Do mm -hmm. your housework. You can be active and not have to hit a gym. Um, you don't have to be, you know, in a 20-minute or 30-minute body shred class in order to honor the Lord with your body. Just move. I know there's wisdom for me in considering, you know, my week before I get it started um, or just looking at my work schedule that it's going to be hard for me if I wait till uh, the end of the week and I haven't gotten any workouts in um, on Thursday afternoon, on Friday afternoon to go, oh, man, I need to go jump in the, in the gym because I haven't, I haven't got to move much this week. Um, two to th uh, three to four times a week tends to work best for me. I love that rhythm. Uh, working out for me is not only just a physical um, way to uh, you know, keep up my body, but it's a mental stress reliever for me. It's a great place for me to go and kind of um, you just mentally kind of focus in one area. Uh, I have great time with the Lord when I'm working out sometimes. Uh, not to spiritualize it, but I'd encourage you to, to look at your week and go, hey, man, Monday morning, uh, Tuesday morning or Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday afternoon, here's what I'm going to have. Block out that time. If you're somebody who doesn't know what to do or I want to get moving, what do I do? I think there's, uh, we'd love to help you with that. Depending on where you are, like Bobby said, would probably inform what you start by doing. Mm -hmm. Some of you that's walking around the neighborhood a couple times, I would encourage you to consider that. Some of you that might be, man, I've been lifting weights for 
four or five years, I'm kind of tired of strength training. Well, hey, let's, let's get on the bike and start taking some spin classes or let's look at what yoga looks like, right? You know, Ooh. there's, there's so, much, so many things you can do nowadays uh, to do. You, you know, financial stewardship can play a piece in that. Some places are 150 bucks a month to be a member at uh, what most people don't even use uh, to the full extent. Um, so if, if you're that person that's asking, we'd love to, you know, that, that's a really wide range depending on where you are, but we'd love to help you if you feel like coming up afterward. And I would say there's a question before that uh, where I was, which mm. is, should I even work out? And mm. here's what, to take it back to the, I was, I was like, and hey, I understand this is a blessing. My metabolism is stupid. And so I get mm. it that not everyone has that. But even that, I was like, if I'm just relying on that, then again, that's not my heart before the Lord. That's me just going, whoo-hoo, I have a free pass. And so what I would tell you is God made us to move. If you just, if there's any science that you look at, like it's crazy how he made our bodies. He made us to heal. My dad had surgery. He's been working out. And he was like, it was the craziest thing because I had a pretty intense surgery, but I healed quicker because my body was used to recovering. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God created our bodies so amazing. But if you, if you can sit in your chair and say, God didn't make us to move, then that's where you have to start mm -hmm. because it's not a workout. Forget, like we even lose the term workout. It's just, we have become a society that doesn't function the way that God created us to function. And so you've got to stop and go, how should I be? functioning so that I can keep being what God wants me to be. And so when Bobby talked about, you know, all of a sudden we become really stiff when we sit, I'm like, man, when I start moving, I can do things a lot easier. I can get my groceries to my door quicker and I can carry more bags because of, you know, whatever it is. And then on top of that, it's crazy too. It actually affects your brain and how you think. When you don't drink water, you get headaches. Like, it's just all these things that are wrapped up when God's going, hey, I made your body to work in these amazing ways. And so take off the workout word and just, mm -hmm. should I work? Should I be doing what God created my body to do? Does that make sense? Okay. That's really Thanks good. Thanks to y'all who nod. It's helpful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so I um, really liked um, this question. So um, how do you get your kids to eat healthy? But, like, some of y'all in here, let's be honest, y'all eat like kids. So <laughs> how? Yeah, totally me. Like, I, like eating a salad is painful, and getting a four-year-old to eat a salad is probably even more painful. So, can I, can I just tell the story? I just want to tell one story, right? So, first off, <laughs> the, the um, I want to tell. I don't want you to tell it better. Um, so oh, we the um, tip number three. A, a lot of you guys said, "What was it? I want to know." We, we were we were gonna make a smoothie, and under some of your chairs, there's a little uh, a post-it note. If you had a post-it note. Um, you were going to get a little smoothie that we were going to make, and it was about, so tip number three was eat more veggies, right? Fruits and veggies, but eat more veggies is kind of what we titled it, and we were going to make a smoothie on stage for you. Turned out I didn't, we didn't have enough time because we wanted to do this, but here's the deal. Getting kids to eat um, vegetables is just exposing them to that, not giving them an opportunity to not eat vegetables, and so at our home, we're kind of freaky people, right? Like we have chickens and we have a garden. And so we, the kids will go out with me and we'll plant seeds, kale seeds, and the kid, they'll watch the kale come up. And there's just something different when that kid put the seed in and the kale comes up. And then we go outside and we harvest the kale together. We teach them how to do that. Then mom cuts it 
puts it in a, in a frying pan and then just sautés it into something that's delicious, the kids like it. In fact, my kids like it so much, we went to my daughter, is six years old. It was her first day of kindergarten this past, what is it, spring? Is that when, when we start? Fall. Fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so first day of kindergarten, <laughs> whenever. And um, so we were, you know, it's our, our oldest is going to kindergarten. And we picked her up from her first day of school. We were crazy excited. Hey, let's go celebrate. Now, this is also good, so know this celebrate, we celebrated with a trip to Brahms. So that's when we said, hey, this is a great opportunity. <laughs> that's a great opportunity to go to Brahms. And so we walk in and Lily, my, our, our, our daughter, our, our oldest, she walks, bellies up to the, to the thing with the ice cream in it and she looks and she sees all of them, scans them all. Mommy, I want the one that has the bubble gum in it. I want the bubble gum ice cream. Great, Lily, we'll get you what you want. Can we please have a bubblegum ice cream? And so Miller, who's a little lower, and he's like nosed up to it, right? And he's, he's looking smaller. over, and he's seeing all the awesome colors, the rainbow sherbet, and he's he'd like, I think he wants that. And then he goes, Mom, I want that one. I want the green one with the kale in it. That's my kid. My kid said that. It was like he had thrown a touchdown or something in the Super Bowl, you know? It was so awesome. So that it, you can get them to eat. She'll probably have some more wisdom about how to get kids to eat. Okay. Ice cream. So, <laughs> yeah, that is a funny story. Um, so, in our house, we we do think, you know, the Lord tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart. Right. So, um, in one of the ways that we do that is just try to model for them. <clears throat> and I, because I come from a um, food issue background, I am not uh, you eat that or else kind of mom. I want them to enjoy food. I want them to love it. So um, we eat a lot of salads. We eat a lot of veggies. I do put out vegetables for them like sugar snap peas and carrots and cut up bell peppers for them to snack on when they're hungry and it's almost time for dinner. I already have that kind of hanging out on the table so that they're not looking for other things. I don't keep a lot of snacks in our home other than like pretzels and Mm -hmm. we do popcorn and most of our snacks are fruits and nuts and vegetables and yogurts and that kind of thing. I just don't, they don't have the opportunity for it very much. And so they, their, their palates aren't adjusted to that. Literally my son after dinner last night ate four of those little oranges. And so after dinner, we don't do dessert. If they eat a good dinner and if they have had a grateful bite of what I have served, then, um, they can have a piece of fruit after dinner. And it's not like a, we try to not make it a rewards and punishment kind of thing. We just want to teach them about good foods and they know what's healthy and they know what's not. Hmm. It's not like we are legalistic about it either. Like I said, Tuesday, we made chocolate chip cookies and it was really fun. But I froze half of them so that it wasn't mounds of chocolate chip cookies everywhere for them to always be worried about. So I think you just make your choices. The other day we went to lunch, Becca and I went to lunch and my son said, mom, I want a salad at Zoe's. And I was like, you what? (laughs) (laughs) But he's used to seeing that. And so it is now, that's not a, it's, that is a norm for our family and not something that's an unknown. Does that answer? Yes. Okay. That's really good. Um, and so, um, I liked this one. Um, As a fitness instructor, how can I encourage members and class participants that may or may not believe, um, be believers, to have a well-rounded, more biblical approach to their fitness? Mm -hmm. Good. 
I love this one. Um, I'm not a fitness instructor, but uh, just like anybody doing anything, when I sit down talking with my community group leaders or talking to a kid that I'm getting to work with playing football, um, I just want to encourage them to do their best and not uh, to work towards, like I talked about earlier, a certain specific goal. Or, man, my teammates, they look so, um, this guy's so much bigger and stronger than me. Or, uh, man, this, if you're a gal, this, I want to look like this. Uh, I, w- I would first start by encouraging them to do their best because their best may be different than, er- than other people's. And again, what we talked about, the, the target we're shooting for is faithfulness and not a certain height, weight, uh, dimensions uh, look. So I, I don't know where, where you are in here, personal trainer, but uh, man, encourage, encourage them to do their best. That always gives me an opportunity then to um, further uh, to go from there uh, to, you know, if, if I'm, you know, first time with a client, it may be harder to just dive right into uh, gospel things. But if somebody hopefully you're building a relationship with and they're going to be able to tell your, your counsel and them, you're doing things a little bit differently uh, than, than most people in that fitness uh, gym uh, world or industry, if you will. I would say um, like you would, uh, you're going to need to to be excellent at your craft. And so that's it. Whether, whatever you're doing, if you're, um, working at a desk job, you need to be excellent at your craft to be set apart so that people might see you as an example, right? So we would do that wherever we go. As a fitness um, instructor, knowing the science of what it looks like to help a person move from where they are to where they want to be, knowing your craft really well, but giving God his due. So if science would say evolution says this about how you have been created, you might say, God created you to process glucose in this way. Isn't that amazing how God did? So we are able to bring to the table as believers a part of um, the science of wellness from a different perspective. So I, that's how I would handle that. But first and foremost, I would be excellent at what I do and then bring my, um, my faith to that because I would set a good example for them. Yes, I don't... I can't decide if what I was going to say is any different, but I'm, okay. I'll say it because maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it's cool. God's economy, like, works. And so when you explain it, you don't have to say, hey, God said in the Bible this, but you say, hey, love your neighbors yourself. It works. And so your marriage, all these marriage principles that you hear work because if you use godly principles, they work because they work. And that's the same thing with science. And so all this wellness stuff, you just can talk about it. And they know you're a believer, hopefully. And then as you, they're like, wait a minute, this is starting to sound, this works. And then they may come back to you and go, how'd you know that? Well, actually. And so it just works because God's economy works. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, And I'll just uh, speak into that one a little bit too. It's just um, like in my testimony, the why um, behind um, why a person's there currently, like that... uh, if you can engage with them in that way, get to know them, get to know their story, um, find out why they currently are where they are. Um, for me, like it was Bobby and Stacy asking me simple questions like, Hey, well, were you, were you always inactive? Okay. Oh, you weren't like, it was just them asking probing questions. And, and then from there giving me, uh, uh, counsel in a very, very winsome way. And so I think, um, there's a personal relationship between um, you and the trainer, um, and or you and the client, and um, you get to you get to be um, a friend to them, 
Um, and that's where it starts is just you trying to figure out more about them, find some backstory on them too. Um, I think we um, can answer just one more question and then at the end you talk about um, outside yeah. resources. Um, but just kind of hitting a little bit more on um, faith um, and rest, like rest and faith, like how they go hand in hand. Like it's really hard for some people to let go of that. Um, I oh. think Suze and Bobby. I'll, I'll start by saying I, I feel like I lost my train of thought a little bit there when we were talking about rest um, here. And what I wanted, the point that I want to make sure that I hit home with that is that our willingness to rest shows this trust that God will handle everything that I can't. And so that's the, that is it. It's very easy and concise when we talk about rest. If you are willing to rest, it shows that you believe that God can, does and will and can control the outcome of all of the things that you toil over. So that's, I want to make sure that I got that point across. And then Suze or, oh, oh Stacy, I didn't realize. Nice. Um, in terms of rest, I would just, I would encourage you to think through, if this is a struggle for you, why is it a struggle for you? Do you need to look at the priorities of your life and maybe adjust some things? If your job is a 12-hour-a-day job, seven days a week, and you have no time for anything else, I would encourage you to ask the Lord if that is where you are supposed to be. I'm not saying to give up your job. I'm just saying that if this rest piece, if you don't feel like you can give something up for the Lord, then you need to ask yourself and the Lord, what are the priorities that you would have me do? Because that's where it comes back to that heart piece of why, 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 right? And if you're not modeling rest for your family, your kids are going to think that go, 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 activity, 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 and then we crash at the end of the day is honoring to the Lord, and I will tell you that it's not, okay? So, and one quick little ditty on um if, if anyone has other questions about um, the kids stuff or family stuff or even recipes that you'd like me to offer to you, feel free to text in. I, I really am glad to offer that. So, Sorry. Sorry. Mm. Lord have hot, mercy guys. on us. I mean, it's obvious. Anyways. Okay, so that. that was, that's funny. Uh just to wrap not that part up, but <laughs> the rest part up, um, rest is actually obedience. And so mm-hmm. if you have never done a study on rest in scripture, I would encourage you to do that and just what God, the fruit of rest and when he commands it with the Sabbath and to go and look and see why he commanded that and then what it does to our hearts because it does a lot about reminding us who's actually in control, hence we're not, and who's the one that's going to make the change not us and so it just really reminds us who's in control and who's in charge and so if you haven't ever done a study on that it's really helpful and if you're the oh i can function on four hours of sleep i'm gonna you can't change the number of days you have on this earth because those are written in scripture so you can eat all the donuts you want it's just what kind of life you have between now and then so so you can't that thing like you always hear that you can give yourself more days i'm like well you really can't but you can, you can have an impact on what those days look like. And so rest is a part of that. So just be obedient. Um, and so we also recognize that y'all have submitted a lot of other questions. Um, and so I, um, 
myself and Bobby, we will hope that maybe we can put together a frequently asked question document and we can maybe send that out. Um, and so if you asked a question um, slowly but surely, I will just <laughs> warn you, we, we both have... We rest, guys. We rest. <laughs> um, but we also have uh, full-time jobs here too so that, that don't let us have as much freedom as we'd like to talk about this stuff because this is just simply our passion. I think yep. it's all of our passion. So if we didn't get to your question today, we definitely want to get to it at some point. Um, but then um, just before y'all do leave... Um, I did wanted to give it over to Bobby to talk about a resource opportunity for you. Um, so out in the, in the uh, lobby there, there are some books for sale. Um, it's a book that I really love and I think kind of is the best book out there to kind of encompass this idea of surrendered wellness. He doesn't say that in the book. That's ours. But um, he does cover a ton of different topics. And it's a really easy read. If you're like me, I'm more of a listener guy. There's a, it's on audible.com as well. But it's called Everybody Matters. Um, and it's available out here. We only have like 30 copies or so. So if there's more than you want that, you can probably find that on Amazon. So there's that. Um, the last piece is I want to pray before we leave. But I also want to leave with this. Um, John 10.10, right? The, the enemy comes to lie, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest, right? Have life abundant. And I want you to know that this area of wellness, I think the enemy has been deceiving us. And he has been lying to us to say that it's not important it's not important to God. And slowly but surely, we have been killing ourselves. Hopefully, we can rectify that by giving over this part of our lives to the Lord. And so hopefully today, we have helped spur that on for you. We want to have a ministry here at Watermark someday that will have this as its main focus, something mm -hmm. that you could say, hey, Regen, or you should come to the porch if you're a young adult, or hey, have you ever thought about trying to look at what Watermark does for wellness? And so what I would ask of you, you people who have said, I am interested in this subject, will you just join Becca and I and the rest of us here in mm -hmm. praying that the hearts of our decision makers would be moved towards that? It's not that there's a malicious holding back of that here at Watermark, but we do so much. And someone has to steward the ethos, the, the direction of our church. And so those folks have yet to say, hey, this is where we really want to go yet. But I believe through our prayer and our consistent dedication to giving ourselves over to the Lord and not just to having a nice figure is going to convince those that make the decisions that this is something that's needed and will help a lot of God's people and those who are yet in the fold. So let me pray, and we'll get out of here. We're already three minutes over. So Heavenly Father, we, we do love you. We are in total wonder at how you've created us and the ways that you have um, made our bodies to be able to heal, even after times that we have been um, destructive to them, that you, Lord, heal them through our obedience, through resting and stewarding our, our diets and our bodies and exercising. Help us, Lord, to have the right mindset. Even today, Lord, as we walk away from here, may only the things that honor you be heard and remembered. Lord, may we all look to steward our bodies in a way that is glorifying to you and not about ourselves. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.